What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's up, y'all? This is Nina Perez, and this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. And I know that you are here to listen to the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. Let's do this. I found somebody, but he's a nobody. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce you to him. His name is Sam. And I loved his bio because it made me laugh. It's like he hasn't done anything amazing. He is not extraordinary. He's not impressive. He doesn't have a Wikipedia entry. Neither do I. So I guess I'm a nobody. But what I like about it is that he also writes on a blog, which says, don't read this blog.com. And he hosts us. He's a CEO and founder of don't uh, don't do this LLC. Like you are hilarious. I already like it. I already like everything about you, Sam. And then he has a book that he also just came out with called value economics, the study of identity. So when did you actually publish Sam? Was that recent? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Nina. I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity and I published it in on June 28th of this year. So about oh, cool. unbelievably about almost four or five months ago now, which is really crazy, but it's been a, it's been a pretty cool ride and I've gotten a lot of positive reception from it. So it's been awesome. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I bet you that kind of reaction that I get is probably what you get a lot of, right? Because we are living in a world right now, Sam, where everybody's amazing everybody's amazing so when you say you are not amazing you are not nobody you know i love that that's completely the antithesis of what we are living in right now at least i think you know yeah isn't, so, isn't that funny yeah. isn't that funny how that works yeah <laughs> <laughs> but sam so this is how i like to get started before we get started we're going to ask who is sam and then we're going to just take it from there so who is sam well, I mean, other than being a nobody, I am 24, about to be 25 years old. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Originally, I went to school in Columbus, Ohio. I lived in Boston for a year, and then I moved out to Austin, Texas in May of 2021. So I am coming to you live from Austin right now. I've been here about 18 months, and I had a pretty, I would say, normal life for a normal person going out, growing up in that part of Ohio. Well, a lot of people, I think, grow up less fortunate than I do, but uh, you know, working to soon-to-be upper-middle-class family. Uh, two parents, two siblings, a dog most of the time, and kind of grew up in a very you know nucleic family structure. My grandparents lived right by me. I had aunts and uncles surrounding me all the time, really close oh, family friends who were basically family around me all the time. So I had a really great support system growing up. And I kind of just, I, I have gotten a general sense of what the theme of a lot of what I write about and talk about on my podcast and my platforms are. And I think I just like to talk about ideas. And I've always mm -hmm. liked to talk about ideas. Like I remember vividly in my childhood, my mom, I, me going to see a movie, for example, or like watching a TV, like I'm writing a video or something like that. My mom would ask me what the movie was about. And she always had to cap me at like 10 sentences because I would always like go into a hundred sentences about everything. So I like to really talk and dissect and go into depth with things. So I, yeah, I just kind of channel all that stuff into basically who I am. And that kind of was what formed me and raised me and my ideas. And that's kind of where I come from on most of the stuff that I produce, I think. 
Oh, that's great. So yeah, so I mean, that's awesome that you, you know, you also you also know that about you, right? That you love to like form ideas, you like to talk about them, all that great stuff. So it sounds to me like you came from a really solid background too, which is really great, right? It's, it supports you mm -hmm. with where you want to go. So talk to me about the genius behind this uh, being a nobody, you know, putting that out there as something that you're leaning on, right? Because yeah. just your just your businesses alone, right? Don't read this blog. Of course, you're going to want to read it, right? That's why mm -hmm. it's so smart, right? Yeah. Don't do this. Of course, we're going to want to do that. That's that rebellion within us, right? So mm -hmm. tell me about that. How did that whole concept come about? Yeah, well, it's funny because it came from a quote in a movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie Inception before by Christopher Nolan. So oh, it, yeah. came from a, it came from the scene. I don't know if you remember the scene where uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character asks the one other, the primary character, the benefactor that, uh, you know, funds their mission. What do you think about when I say don't think about elephants? And he said, you right. think about elephants. Right. And so I thought that was really, really genius reverse psychology that he played on it. So I basically said, Okay, that combined with, to your point, Nina, about our culture really defined and being defined a lot, especially with people my age, a lot of, a lot by, excuse me, narcissism, a lot of, you know, kind of a self-centeredness about the way people go about personal branding and doing everything else. And so I said, okay, that part of the market's getting flooded. I have a very, I think, capitalistic and opportunistic mindset when it comes to that thing. I'm going to go mm -hmm. next to where the market is going away from. So when the market swings back, I'll ride the upswing up to there. And hopefully we're going away from that and a lot and a lot in our culture. And I think a little bit of that is showing now, but I figured I'd just kind of go in the opposite of direction. And, and again, I think, you know, I like to think that I amuse myself and hopefully some other people. So when people say it's funny and it's funny that you mentioned that the first time, both off the air and on the air, that's been the one thing that I think has been brought up almost every single time. And every single one of these interviews that I've done is that people really enjoy the bio. So, I mean, yeah. people have, I've had many different conversations about the book, about my content, about what people think about it. Um, but usually that's the one sticking point with all people is that people think it's, it's really, really funny, which is good. It is. It is good. And you're right. You know, I think, uh, cause you're fairly young. So in your generation right now, are you finding like you're having very, um, you know, thought provoking conversations around that, you know, around, you know, being a nobody and the narcissistic behaviors that you're seeing around the new generation or, you know, how does that, how do those conversations go? Well, no, I actually don't believe that. I don't think I'm having very thought provoking conversations about that. And that's part of the reason why that's I wrote good. the book is because mm -hmm. that, you know, I think that a lot of people, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently too, is that, you know, someone's going to have to inherit the earth eventually. And what I see around me is a lot of people who are not being equipped to do that in a lot right, of ways. A lot right. of people who aren't taking the serious stuff seriously. And a lot of people who are taking the frivolous stuff seriously, mm -hmm. which is a very, very big issue when you look down the line from it. And so we're not having conversations about stuff that I think actually matters and actually, you know, like things that I hopefully talk about in my book, if you, if you agree with what I say in the book. And I think that I, the, that was one of the catalysts in the creation of the book, which we can get into later, which yeah. that was instigated by my mother. And so I thought, I thought that for a very long time. And I think that was one of the core problems I wanted to solve in the book. And hopefully that when people read and a lot of young people have read it and have agreed with a lot of the contents in it that maybe that will spark something inside of them that will really do a lot of the things in different ways from now on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I, I feel the same way. Like, I feel like I, I, craving really good conversation i'm craving mm -hmm. it right so mm -hmm. i'm even going like onto youtube just to find really good 
debates and conversation. I love stuff like that because it makes yeah. you think, right? You know, like I was like, oh, your mindset, your mindset. Yes, I believe in mindset, but I actually believe in mind flow. What to me is just means mm. expanding your mind and mm -hmm. just letting it flow and grow and understanding that Sam might believe something I don't, but that doesn't make him wrong or me right. That just makes us coming together to have right. a really thought-provoking conversation with facts, right? I always say facts don't care about your feelings, right? They just yeah. don't. Facts are just facts. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody, some people just don't want to look at facts and they just, you know, having meltdowns on stuff mm -hmm. that's not even real. So yeah. I totally get that. But I want to dig into that with you. So let's yeah. talk about your book. Tell me about your book, the premise of it, and let's get into that. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Ben Shapiro. I don't know if you're a Ben Shapiro fan. Oh, I love Ben Shapiro. He likes that quote a lot too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so going back to the, uh, the generation of the book idea. So going back to what I was saying earlier about the conversation I had with my mother, this is a summer or, or a conversation, excuse me, I had in July of 2019. So about almost three and a half years ago now. And so I had, I was talking with her in the kitchen. My mom is a very, very intelligent and smart and perceptive woman. And so we, I'll, I get into a lot of deep philosophical discussions there, especially as I've aged and I've gotten really more cognizant of things going on in the world. And we disagree on a lot of things in a lot of yeah. different ways. We agree on the foundational stuff, but in terms of the broader stuff, like, you know, things going on in the world and stuff, we tend to disagree about a good amount of, even though I would say we still agree on most things, we've gotten more different as we've grown older, which has been good. And I was talking with her about, I think we were having a conversation more driven around the idea of belief itself and like mm. just what, you know, what people put their faith in, what people put their values and everything like that. And she kind of just threw an offhanded comment out there like, well, oh, well, your generation really doesn't believe in anything. And my first thought is like, well, you know, that's kind of harsh. Like, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, a sweeping generalization a little bit, but I, you know, at me being the really, I would say, you know, the person who always wants to do what you said and what Ben Shapiro says to think about facts for your feelings is what my mother said a fact. And so I'm like, okay, let's inquire into that. Yeah. And so I eventually, you know, kind of thought about a certain thing inside of my head where I came up with the trade-off between value and sacrifice. So I basically said, the more you value something, the more you'll sacrifice to get something, the more you don't value something, the less you'll value to, or the less you'll value getting that something. And I just threw it in the back of my head and kind of did all this other stuff, you know, just went about my life. And so I'm in an economics class a couple months later. I had to take a mandatory advanced economics course to graduate college. I was a finance major. And we were learning about uh, supply and demand curves, I think. Mm -hmm. They were drawing graphs on the curve. And the guy was a really, really good guy, but we were kind of seniors, kind of dicking around in the back, senioritis. I was still paying attention to him because he was still a really nice guy, older gentleman, big walrus mustache, the whole thing. And so he was, um, you know, when he was drawing these graphs, I had kind of like a red pill moment where I was like, okay, wait a second. This is a relationship between two things what I thought about earlier was a relationship between two things. So I was already thinking about starting a blog at the time to get my feelings out about all this kind of stuff, my thoughts out about this kind of stuff. Why don't I take what I said, model it out using an economics model and see if that makes it more relatable to people to understand it instead of thinking it in such existential terms. So I did. And that was actually my first post on my blog, I'll read this blog.com. And it's that after the like, hi, my name is Sam. I have a blog post. This is like right. the first one. <laughs> right. And so I wrote that one. And I remember my, my good friend, Lene Brentley telling me afterwards that she read it and, you know, she was like, I just, I value being in shape. So I went to the gym. This makes sense. And so I'm like, cool, this is working. Everything is good. And so then I had a lot of fun writing it as well. So then I titled the original post on my blog, which has since been taken down, obviously, because I put it in the book, Value Economics Chapter One, The Value Sacrifice Trade-Off. And so then the mm. next month came around and I was writing at that time a post a week. And I said, okay, why don't I write chapter two? 
And then chapter three became chapter four, became chapter five and six and seven. And so I remember calling my parents to do a FaceTime every Sunday for about two hours. And I say, you know, I, I told them, I like, guys, I think I have something here. And then being very supportive of me and my thoughts and ideas, they said, you know, go for it. We want to see you mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And I, what I was missing was that I had a lot of good, I thought, content in the first of my chapters. And I had to rewrite a, most of the book, actually, and kind of format it in this way after I had this idea. But what I was missing was the thread that tied everything together and that strung mm. along so it's not really chunky and broken up and everything. And the book builds on itself in a crescendo. And so I thought, well, okay, what could that, what could that trend be? And that trend was the idea of identity. And there's a, there, I think, is no bigger question in society right now with the question of identity. What we right. identify as, right. what groups we put ourselves in, how we put ourselves in those groups, how we talk to other people in different groups or in the same group, everything like this. And my notion, my hypothesis is that distilling your identity at the identity of a group is very, very wrong for a lot of reasons. And so, like, for example, like if I were to say this is the thing, example I've given a lot of people. If I were to ask you, Nina, what is a white person? You would probably give me two different answers in, pro in most general senses. You could give me probably a very scientific answer where it's like this amount of melanin in their skin, this amount of whatever, whatever. I don't, I'm not a science, you know, I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination. Or you could give me a general stereotype about what your opinion of white people is, for example. And I'm not saying you have one or you don't have one, but you could give an opinion on that based on what your experience has been like. What you need to be asking yourself as a person is what makes up the individual person? What's it makes right. up Nina, not the groups that Nina belongs to? Because right. it's possible to define that. And so then that question became, okay, how do you get what Nina is or what Sam is or what whoever else this person is? And I was growing up in a family where values were central to everything that we talked about. My father was very prevalent on this. My mother too, my dad and my grandfather really, really were about this. And so I thought that the way you define your individual identity as a person is through your values. And so it became value economics, study of identity. And that's what I really focused my book on. And so going back to the conversation with my mother, what you need to place belief in and how we find our belief in ourselves, especially for young generation, young generations like myself or young people in this generation like myself, is you take your individual values, apply them, figure out what they are, and then go out into the world and act upon them. And my mm -hmm. book shows you how to define a raw value from the ground up, how to create a value from those individual values. So yeah, we get really foundational. And then principles that are based on economic principles and all of it's based on economic principles to craft your own identity and make a positive life for yourself inside of the world. So yeah. that's what the thesis of the book is, and that's kind of the genesis of how it came about. Yeah, it's really clever and very creative. I love that you... Um, you even, you know, took it down to that point of where we have to really think about what it is we're thinking about, right? Because you're like, what's a white person? To me, the first thing that popped into my head was human, right? Yeah. Um, that's I mean, that's just the way I think anyway. I just sure. think, you know, I try. I'm, um, I, I, I feel like I'm a more logical thinker, right? So I don't really care about people's color and creed. I, and I actually really don't, right? So yeah, um, right, it's yeah, not, yeah. I'm not just saying it because I'm trying to be popular. I really don't give a shit. No, right? yeah, <laughs> no. I, mean, I don't think just, most people do, to be quite honest. Right, I, 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 I don't people. either. But yeah. I think there's something that comes up. There's something that happens, right? When you see the the masses, that group think that can occur, right? Where mm -hmm. one person is saying something and they're saying it with so much passion that they believe their own crap, right? And so mm -hmm. then they find people that believe them because there's lots Loud enough to say it right yeah how sam how does a person then who is trying to find their identity and they're going to grab your book and they're going to try to do this so give us a couple of like examples give us like a first or second step of how somebody finds their identity 
Okay. Or their value. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so to your point earlier, Nina, about, you know, you saying like, I, and I said this too, about getting really foundational about it. So the foundation of any economy, I don't know if you have it, you remember economics class in high school or you Not were too a bit, much. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, so the foundation of any economy is, are the factors of production, right? Land, mm -hmm. labor, mm -hmm. capital, and entrepreneurship. So we literally get to the raw material of what is a value because I had to answer that question for myself. It's kind of one of those words that were so ingrained in my psychology and my mind that I really didn't know how to define it originally. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like asking a random person, like, what is a circle? And, right. you know, like, how do you define what a circle is? Because, I mean, we all know what circles are, but it's like, oh, I'm, you know, the circumference times, you know, this, whatever is a circle. And, you know, no one else in it really would, we would struggle to kind of define what it is. So it was so self-evident to me that I really had to go back and find out what that was. And so mm -hmm. then I, and what makes a value up? And so basically I say the factors of value productions and corresponding to the factors of economic production are your experiences, your actions, your self-discipline and your self-awareness. And you use those four components to form one raw value. And then after a while we got into, we get into some best investing principles, for example, like allocating and diversifying investment portfolio. You have to have a portfolio of values. You can't just mm -hmm. get one value and say like you're done with it. You have to have a couple that right. define everything else. You'd be dogmatic and very authoritarian if you did mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So you have to get something to balance your value portfolio and dominate your value pie chart. And I think for an example, in um, in the introduction to the book, I give the example of Chris Farley, who in my opinion is the funniest. He, he was so funny to me. I, I brought My parents brought home him and Adam Sandler's uh, Best of Saturday Night Live DVD when I was 12 years old. My life changed forever. And so I thought he was so funny that he became almost like a entity of what humor was to me. Mm -hmm. in a lot of I laughed mm -hmm. at everything he ever did ever. And that no one had ever had that effect on me. Even Adam, even Adam Sandler, who I at that time loved. And I love stand-up comedy now. No one can make me laugh like Chris Farley does. Everything he does is really funny. But Chris Farley had a problem because he didn't know who his identity was or what his identity was. He didn't know who he was as a person. And if you know the tragic story of Chris Farley... He eventually became the funniest person in the world to a lot of people, the biggest star on Saturday Night Live, and a cast loaded with Saturday, like talented comics with not only Adam Sandler, but people like Mike Myers and Phil Hartman and David Spade and Chris mm -hmm, Rock mm -hmm. and a bunch of other people who did all that stuff. And he eventually wrecked his life because he really didn't know what his values were and mm -hmm. where he could place his value in, which is himself and his values. It was all in the validation of other people and making people laugh and being funny, which is all externally driven, not internally driven, which right. is a very, very big problem. Right. So I do my best in the book to both provide frameworks and reference points from pop culture, from history, from a bunch of other things to show examples that really fit what I am trying to say and what I'm trying to articulate to both provide a framework and a point of reference for people to both draw from and to act upon going into their own lives in the future. Do you think that um, people can really work on changing their values? Yes, yes. I believe, yeah. I believe that too. And I, going back to the, uh, the diversification, the investment portfolio example. So let's say you have 10 stocks and one of them starts to tank. You have no obligation to keep that stock in your portfolio. You sell mm -hmm. that thing, you put one that's going on the rise. That's so right. as you grow and as you go, like, so for me, for example, like I have, I guess not recently, it's been six -ish years or seven years at this point. I've been, I was brought up and incubated really in my parents' household. And so I had my values tested for the first time when I went to college, when I met a bunch of people from different places, I went to the third largest university in the country. And I had a lot of people from California, Chicago, New York, Florida, Pennsylvania, a bunch of places around the world come into my life and really inform me about what they thought of the world. 
And so I realized after a while, and I didn't change much. I still had the foundational principles of what my parents taught me, the values that my parents taught me. But I was able to see that, you know, a lot of the things that I had been thinking or some of the things that I've been thinking like, okay, maybe this idea is better. Maybe this value system is better to mm. adopt in this particular mm. scenario. So whatever benefits your life in a positive way, that's also positive to other people and furthers your identity as a person and being solidified in whatever you think your identity is corresponding to your values and not to anything outside of your values. I would say that's perfectly fine to change. You have to test your values and you really yeah. have to test your ideas. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of what's so important about what you're doing with your podcast is that you have people who may agree with you on stuff, may not agree with you on stuff, mm -hmm. but you still have them on and you still give people a platform to put their ideas out there freely so right. that people can either, that's why people listen to podcasts. I think in a lot of right. ways to hear different people on a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, when you do that, I think it opens the possibility to change. So I don't think there's possibility without dialogue like this. And so it's, I think that's what I think that the book was about doing is that challenging that perception of what people think their values might be versus what they could be if they choose mm -hmm. to adopt this mindset that might serve them better. Yeah. I think that if we had these conversations even more, especially in universities and things like that, we can get a lot further ahead right? Because mm -hmm. if you can just be candid and have these really great open conversations about values and yeah. how both of our values can be really different and we can still respect each other's values. That's yeah. another thing too, right? Respect has a lot to do with this as well, right? So there's a lot of different levels and I can see a lot of texture in your book and what you're going to bring out. What you're bringing out is going to be very important. I don't think just for your generation either. I think it's going to be very important for the older generation too. I'm 50. Yeah. So I have mm -hmm. kids, I have a son who's older than you. I have a couple of kids. So, um, you know, I, and I have these candid conversations with them too. And just to see where their values are. Cause like you said, once you left home and got to have that experience in college, some of your values might've maybe changed a little bit and shifted, but you're still in the yeah. essence, you're still you. Right. So mm -hmm. tell me something, Sam, like having these conversations, have you narrowed down or thought of what people are willing to sacrifice for what value are people really willing to sacrifice for? Have you seen anything like that? Well, I think that's a really good question. And I think that it's good to define the inverse in doing all that kind of stuff. When I found, because I think in that culture of group think, like you said, college campuses, college universities, I think are, are a really good example of this, unfortunately, because I think that they don't yeah. really encourage that free of a thought and me coming in with a lot of heterodox opinions was actually very good for me and good for my mind mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because it always put me on defense and mm -hmm. I always had to defend my ideas. And so I remember always doing that inside of college and being really sharpened by all the critiques that I had about my ideas and my value systems, even though people were mostly very respectful, even if they disagreed with me. Mm -hmm. So what I say in the end of the first chapter, chapter one, which is the factors of value production is that no matter when you do adopt a firm set of values, the one thing you are certainly going to do is you're going to polarize people. You're going to mm -hmm. polarize people while doing everything. When you adopt a set of values, a man who values everything values nothing. A woman who values everything values nothing. So when mm -hmm. you value mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. you are going to value basically everybody. You're going to alienate a lot of people who think the opposite of you. And right. then a lot of people in my generation especially have this value of tolerance they think is a value. Tolerance right. is not a value. Tolerance right. is not a value at all. Because And it's a lie, actually. Right. Because, you know, so if you, if you say that you value tolerance right. above everything else, you don't, are you saying that you value intolerant people? No. Right. Right. No so you're, so you're not tolerant. Right. That's right. That's right. So it's like, you know, the people who say that like, you know, they, that's like saying, you know, like a person who's tolerant, they say like they value a Ku Klux Klan member and like, right. that's clearly not the case. And they, I, I think at least when they say all that kind of stuff and they shouldn't value right. those people. Right. So 
what I say, the people are really, really afraid of polarizing people with a lot of different mm-hmm, things. Like mm-hmm, I think especially mm-hmm. this can different different ways for men, for women, for white people, for black people, for a bunch of people, for gay people, straight people, whatever you want to call it. They're afraid to polarize people. And I think that's a very, very big mistake because what people are willing to sacrifice for, I think a lot of ways is relationships. And how can you have good relationships if you're not willing to put your foot in the ground and say what you believe about things? People can Mm -hmm, smell bullshit mm -hmm. from a mile away. Mm -hmm. So if they can't even trust you with telling you what you think, telling you, telling them what you think about something, that's not going to go very far in a lot of ways. Right, right. So, you know, our, our lives are defined, I would say, largely by the sum of our best relationships. And if you don't have good good relationships with a lot of people, then you really aren't defined by much, if anything at all. That's so good. That's so good. So tell me how you think people should protect their values, right? And here's why I ask, because Sam, sometimes when we do polarize other people, right, and we start to kind of like alienate, we start to get the group of people, our tribe, the people that we do want to be around, right? The people that we can have the same values with. How do then we protect our values or push ourselves to be able to expand our values? Well, to protect your values, I would say stand up for them. If someone tells you that you were wrong or that you you should apologize for what you believe in, don't apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. Like that's, that's a very, very destructive if you do that in my opinion. Don't apologize if you didn't do anything wrong. And I think we have a big problem with that now. And if you feel like you, what you're saying is true and what you're saying is I dedicate my book to those who tell the truth and telling the truth is a very brave thing to do, especially in today's culture and today's climate. So if you believe what you say is true and you have evidence to what you say is true, then say what's true. You have an obligation to do that to people because the truth should reign supreme above everything else. And I would say to, and what was the second part of your question? I apologize. Like when you're around other people that have the same values or the same thought process as you, right? To avoid yourself from getting into that groupthink mentality, how do you keep expanding your values and your thought process? I would say that you need to be able to look at yourself. And that's why self-awareness is the last factor of value production because you always need to be examining, that's not a word, examining your, your value structures and everything that goes along with them. Because- if you don't, you can slide down that slippery slope of being a really, really yes. crazy person if you don't really examine yourself after a while. And this is not a cultural thing, a political thing. This is a human thing. All right, humans are victims of this. Right, and right. so if you do not check yourself before you wreck yourself, shout out Ice Cube, then you will be able to, then you will be certain to go down a path that you do not want to go down. And you will yeah. realize that after a while, when you really start to do things that are destructive and harmful, and you'll look at yourself and go, how did I get this far? And you only have yourself to blame for that. And mm-hmm, it's a very, mm-hmm. very unfortunate thing if you don't check it when you're going in that direction after a while, because it's really, really harmful. You know, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm, I'm listening to you and having this amazing conversation with you is how young you are and the impact that you're going to have. I think that you're going to have a massive impact and uh, your parents are going to be super proud because they're already supporting you anyway. Um, and I really love what you have to say. I love that you can, Sam, still stand your ground. Like you, you got cojones, as we say in Spanish. You got cojones. And I got to say that, um, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm proud of you, bro. I really am. I'm proud of you. I, I love, I love what you have to say. I love that you're standing on what you believe as well. And that you're really trying to impact people's lives with values, which I think is super important and something that we really have to bring to our younger generation. We really, really do. So I think your work you're doing is great. And I cannot wait to say I had you on my podcast because I know you're about to blow up. So I'm 
excited to have you, but I really am, Sam. I'm really proud of you and I'm glad about the work that you're doing. I am going to pick up your book and I am stoked about all the work that you're doing. So I'll be following that podcast and all that great stuff. And I know that I have a lot of people listening. So give us the download. How do they then go and listen to your podcast, go look at your blog, get your book, give me all that great stuff. Thank you, Nina. I really appreciate the time, and I, I want to do. Uh, I want to do say that I um I am living in Austin. There's a lot of Latino people down here, so I'm slowly but surely picking up on my Spanish. So that is one word <laughs> I do know. So now I will. Uh, so, so now, so now I will. Kind of, you know, I'll, I'll do my shameless plug. So the book Value Economics: Study of Identity, two-time number one bestseller on Amazon, is out now awesome. on all online book retailers. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those type of places. My podcast, don't listen. To this podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't read this blog.com is my blog. I am at real Sam Lax, R-E-A-L-S-A-M-L-A-X on Instagram and TikTok. I'm slowly I'm going to be coming out with video content next year. And oh, I also am uh, Sam Lacrosse on LinkedIn. Yeah, TikTok's going to blow up for you, bro. That's I, hope so. right. I, That's I, I hope so. I, I, <laughs> I've, been, I've been avoiding uh, you know, jumping into that pool for a while, but I'm going to avoid it for much longer. So I don't think you can either. I don't think you can. Sam, you are a blessing. So thank you for being on Straight Talk. This was a really good conversation. And I know we could have gotten really, really deep, but I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to keep you that long, but I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. I'm welcome anytime or I'm available anytime. Nia. Thank you very much. I appreciate good, you. Good. I may have you back when you come up with your movie and you're, you're blowing up and everything. I want you back. Next <laughs> book's real. coming sooner than a lot of people think. So I'd love to have oh, it cool. back again. Yeah. Keep me in mind. I'd love to have you back. I will. Thank yeah. you, Nina. Awesome. Appreciate it. Awesome. Guys, you heard him, right? Isn't he awesome? I told you I find the best humans on the planet. Make sure that you go ahead and follow Sam. I'm going to link all of his information below so that you can go ahead and pick up his book, listen to his podcast. I am going over there right after this interview to make sure that I'm subscribed so I can listen to this podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. You are the best. Okay. I have the best podcasting community ever. I really do. And I appreciate you guys being on here. Make sure you go on to winject.com slash register W I N jectcom slash register and register for my free community because I want to be really um, connected with you and I want us to brainstorm and be with each other and connect in a deeper way. If you are looking for coaching, please make sure that you also email me at hello at straighttalknosugaredit.com. I work with women and I help them develop that business that they are envisioning in their hearts so that they can win. Thank you guys so much for being here. Love you, love you, love you. This is Dina Perez, Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Until next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.